if you guys haven't already seen, we actually, I got my life together this week, and we started to record all of the sermons, which are now on Anchor, which is also um, uploads everything to Spotify, iTunes, any kind of podcasting platform that you can think of. So all of our sermons are going to now be on digital. So you all can actually get on there. Um, we're going to save it on Anchor so we can actually go back and hear these over again. So I'm really excited about that. And if you also want to do a personal podcast, I encourage you guys to do Anchor. I'm just, not, I'm just putting it out there for, like, sponsorship. Because, like, they asked them the thing. It was funny. They were like, do you want to do paid ads? And I was just like, yeah, I want to do paid ads. And then I remembered. I was just like, is this going to be, like, YouTube paid ads? Where I'm like, I'm going to have like a church sermon, like a Budweiser commercial pops up out of nowhere. And I'm be like, ah, ah, ah. And I, I was like, let's not do paid ads. So let's just, let's just enjoy the fact that we have our sermons online. Can we get an amen for that? Yeah. I know. So we're thankful for the church that's online with us and that listen to the podcast. It helps me a lot because I get to go back and listen to myself and critique myself and to hear my sermons and, and growing as a pastor. Um, so we've been going through the book of Ephesians. I've really enjoyed this opportunity to get to chapter three. Um, I preached through the first two chapters, and then we actually, and then we had some time where I was off, and Josh and Kelly and Ethan and Tommy. That first week, I was out with the baby because y'all lied to me. They tell me I wasn't going to sleep. I was getting my life right. I needed that Sunday to rest. Um, did some teaching on chapter two. Then we preached on it, and chapter three kind of rounds up the understanding of what, um, what Paul the Apostle is talking about with the mystery that is revealed in the gospel, this mystery that we keep hearing about in the book of Ephesians. When Paul had come to the place where he was writing to the church of Ephesus, he was in prison. He was in Rome, and he was imprisoned for the faith and the work that he was doing. But it did not stop him from accomplishing the task that God had given to him to do. In chapter 3, he specifically speaks about his stewardship of the church and teaching to the Gentiles, the people that were not in the initial covenant with God. He's talking about teaching them and bringing them to a place where they're unified with the Jews. I spoke about this last week, and I talked about how when the, in this time and the culture, when you're talking about uniting the Jews and the Gentiles, it would be like, Trying to unite a person who was back in the Holocaust, a Jewish person, and also the person who was a Nazi. Trying to unite them in unity. Or even in, as we're going through Black History Month, I've thought a lot about Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement and how the insurmountable task of saying that I want to unite these two people were far apart and there was a wall that was physically there and also spiritually there to divide these people and the enemy tried to divide them and it was the the insurmountable almost impossible task of saying that Paul had to go forth with his task in the gospel to unite these people together I can imagine Dr. King the the stress and the amount of anguish and 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 and, and just just parts of his life as he's living out this life, trying to go through the civil rights movement, trying to unite together, and he's facing so much animosity. How much stress could he face right then and there in the moment? It looks almost impossible, and I made the joke yesterday to myself. I had like a pastoral dad joke, and I was just like, it would take, a, it would take an act of God to unite these people, like, because it's an act of God. Get it, guys? Get it? I can, I'm a dad now. I can make those jokes and stuff like that. Quentin, you're too young to get it. But literally, it took an act of God to unite us, humanity, back to God. So why then couldn't God use us 
and use man to unite people in unity as in one body. I think we get so caught up in the task and how stressful it could be or how, how impossible it sounds that we don't put our true faith unto God to believe that when he has brought us to a task, that if we are faithful and we bind ourselves not to the task, but we bound ourselves and bind ourselves to Christ, that he is able to work through us if we submit ourselves to him. In Ephesians 1, it talked about God's purpose and will for us to be saved through Jesus Christ. He wanted us to be in right standing in relationship. He talked about the mystery of God's plan that was revealed in chapter 2, that the Gentiles would be included, but not just included in salvation, but they were going to be equals, no kind of barriers, that they had the same rights as the Jewish believers who were prophesied in the Old Testament to receive salvation. We are all made equal in the body of Christ, and we build this beautiful mosaic that's in our window. I'm going to call it our little risen mosaic. I love it. It's all discombobulated, and there's green, and there's red, and there's yellow. We built this little mosaic last week, and we're going to finish it. It looks beautiful because it's many broken pieces as we are all broken people brought together in different raids, races, creatures, colors, and cultures brought together to make this beautiful, wonderful masterpiece. And we're all being built together in the image of God in the body of Christ. There's so much value in the diversity in the body of Christ. But Paul shifts in chapter 3, and he starts to shift to talking about his own personal um, stewardship his own personal relationship with God, and how he was tasked with this great um, working of revealing the mystery of salvation to the Gentiles and to the Jewish believers. I love that how he starts this. So I just have moments when, like, I think, I know I'm ADHD, y'all. I'm, like, all over the place. I had to leave and worship to go get a USB to bring back to record the sermon, and I'm, like, all over the place. And even, like, I'm at the house. I'm like, oh, Lord, what you doing with the baby? And I'm like, I got to go back to church. Like, I'm all over the place. And in this moment, when Paul starts this off, I thought, I thought it was funny that when he starts this off in chapter 3, he's actually starting it off as a prayer. And then in verse 2, he gets sidetracked and starts preaching and teaching. So I can just imagine as he's in prison, he starts it off with verse 1. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of, Je of Christ Jesus on behalf of the Gentiles. And then he just stops and goes, well, maybe assuming that you know the stewardship that I've, that I've been given. He starts to think to himself, he's like, I don't know if these people know who I am and stuff like that. So then he has to start to talk about his credentials as an apostle. This how like we go home and we pray at night. Some of y'all get cozy in your bed and you'd be like, I'm just going to pray laying down, Jesus. Let me just pull my, my heated blanket up real quick. I think Jesus would like me to be comfortable when I pray real quick. Let me just <clears throat> snuggle up real quick. And just sitting there in bed, Jesus, I just want to thank you for the butterflies. And then my phone starts beeping. Oh, I got notifications on Instagram. Oh, y'all like my baby? And my Snapchat starts going off and everything. Listen, I'm just, I'm having a real moment. Paul had a real moment. He's in prison writing this letter. And I can imagine he's just like, let me just write this real quick. Let me start with a prayer. You know what? I don't think these people know who I am. We all have those moments. It makes me feel human and good that Paul had an ADHD moment. Can we just, can we just love that moment for a minute? So Paul, as he's writing this, he has this moment. He gets distracted. But in his distraction, he says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given unto me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. We're going to stop there for a minute. Paul was given a special task to preach to the, Jew, to preach to the Jewish 
um, preach to the Jews and also preach to the Gentiles that they were brought into this special relationship with God. He had the task of uniting two groups of people that hated each other. I spoke last week about the Good Samaritan and um, the, the Jewish believer that was on the side of the road and how that story talks about the unification in Christ and the value for each other as brothers and sisters, not based off of their culture, race, creed, or color, anything like that. But it was like an impossible task for him to go forth and to do this. There were two things that had to happen before Paul could start this. Paul had to overcome himself when he came to Christ. Paul had to overcome himself when he came to Christ. If we look in the book of Acts, before Paul got to this place where he was writing to the church of Ephesus and going on missionary trips, he had an encounter with God. And in that encounter, he was made known that he was worshiping God incorrectly. And when, when, when we are given a task by God, we have to stop in that moment and lay down our own perceptions of who God is, but also worship him in spirit and spirit, as I said last week. So when Paul had to overcome himself in that moment, he had to realize the way that he was worshiping God was incorrect. He had to submit himself to God so he could do this task. When he was on the road to Damascus in that moment, he had to overcome what he had thought was correct because he was, persecuting Jew, he was persecuting the Christians. I think it was said that he was actually one of the people that was present when they were stoning Christians in the book of Acts. So he had to overcome his preconceived notions of who God was. And in that moment, Jesus revealed to Paul who he was and that he was going to be an apostle. He was going to be one of the people to build the church and that he had a special task of going forth and preaching to the Gentiles. It would be hard enough to be Peter or Andrew or one of the disciples and to go forth and to preach just to the Jews that Jesus Christ was the Messiah after they didn't believe him, after he's saying that for this reason that Jesus Christ had died on the cross and you all have to believe to receive salvation, that would be a hard enough task. But then it's also, let me just throw something else on top of that and say, now you've got to unite people that hate each other. I, I, I can imagine, I keep going back to King because this is the most modern day thought that I could say on how we could equate this. That you're preaching the gospel to people who are far away from God. Now you also have to say that these people who have been dis discriminated against, Jim Crowism and stuff like that, they are also in the fold and receive the same exact rights as everyone else around you. And you have to fight for these things in the face of being tortured beaten, bruised, told you were wrong, not just by the people around you, but by your government. All of these odds were against Paul. I always think to myself that when you have big tasks like this, how, how do we accomplish the work that God has for us? I, I don't believe in having a church of people who just sit in the pews. I'm thankful that when we talk about Risen City that we say we, all, we have like 100% of our people and involved, whether it's undefeated or school ministry or being involved on Sundays, we have people that are a part of the mission that God has for us to do. And I, and I thought back to myself, just even kind of personal for, I thought back to myself, I said, when I came to Christ, I had a really kind of a Paul moment where I didn't work with kids at all. I hated kids. I didn't want anything to do with kids. This is 10 years ago. And there was a special grace that was given unto me for the task that was at hand. Because I didn't focus on bonding myself to the task. 
No different than Paul didn't bond himself to the task. He bound himself to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be the only thing that will sustain us as we're walking out this Christian life as individuals and also as we are working as missionary servants to God. So I recall when, when I remember I was 22 years old and I came to Christ. And a week after I came to Christ, I had this Paul moment where I literally heard God speak and said, you're going to preach to the youth. And it laid me down on my face literally to a point where I couldn't get up. And I just cried for about 15 minutes. Yeah, I cried. I don't care. Say about it. I was mad. I got up and went to work right afterwards, too. Cried in my office a little bit. I remember being like, God, I don't like kids. Jesus, help me. I didn't have any formal training with kids. I, nothing at all. I, I, I'd been far away. My life was a wreck. It was such a mess. I just had to overcome drugs and alcoholism and just selfish natures and stuff. And I remember being like, God, I have to lay this down to you, and I give this all to you right now. And in that moment, I overcame who I was, and Jesus revealed to me the task that was at hand. And instead of focusing on the task, I said, let me focus on my personal relationship with God, so I'll be prepared when the time comes, Aaron. Because I believe that God has a special task for you in life. And if we can overcome the distractions that happen in our life, I believe that God's going to speak to you individually and tell you what your task is also. And I pray that God guides you during that time. That's right, baby. Let me get an amen. So what happened was, is that as we are working on this task, we have to bond ourselves to Jesus Christ to accomplish the task. It's only by being bound to Christ, not the task, that Paul was able to complete the mission. But it was also by only in faith in Jesus Christ that he was able to live on mission. Paul was writing this letter from jail. He was in prison, but he was still able to accomplish the task of preaching and reaching the Gentiles. It almost sounds like it's impossible to say that I have to physically be there to preach and teach. But through his imprisonment, through his torture, through his time that he had by working with God and being faithful to continue, even when the task got hard, God was still able to use his time to write letters, to send out to churches to encourage them in their faith. That's the great working of God to be able to say that in his imprisonment, he was able to continue to do the working and the task that God had, had there for him. Ephesians 2 and 20 and 22 is really important because it's kind of the precursor to all this in, in chapter 3. It talks about how Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in which we are building the church. That's really important in context. I like to like preach of context. So you're not just like reading the verse, you don't know what it means. What it is saying is that we have to build our foundation of our individual lives and our church lives around Jesus Christ being the cornerstone of this building that we are building with Christ. As I mentioned, we're, we're building our, our beautiful home with God. We've got our beautiful mosaic. That's our little bit of Risen City Church window in the body of Christ that we have. And as we are building the body, we have to have our faith on God's firm foundation or we will falter. When we are building this body as individuals, when we are building this body as missionaries, when we are building this body as a church as a whole, we cannot falter from Jesus Christ being our firm foundation. It's easy for us as we're working to get caught up in what we can do as a quick fix to build our church or to build our individual ministries or to build our individual relationships because that little bit of growth may feel like it's being fruitful. But if we're not focused on specifically what God has us to do, we can actually be detrimental to the kingdom because we put our hands to the plow 
and we start to try to build and grow things that were meant for death in the kingdom of God. That's the scary part about it sometimes is that we, we think sometimes I'm going to build this church. I'm going to make it attractional. And I'm going to start preaching and teaching. And I, instead of me preaching the word of God, let me preach what the people want to hear. Or, or let, me, let me build this church and let me feed and teach and, 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 and try to work with this after school program in my church. But if it's not done in the full purpose of God's will with his task, then we are actually being a detriment to the kingdom. Because we leave our firm foundation of who God has called us to be for a foundation that's temporary. I can build a church on a temporary foundation and let it grow, but when the winds and the storms and the, the things that come against our house, come against our church, when that happens, if I'm not built on Jesus Christ, I'm gonna fall and crumble. Paul was only able to accomplish the task and the mission of preaching to the Gentiles because he was able to live his life on the firm foundation and the assurance of his faith that Jesus Christ was going to be with them and the insurance of the Holy Spirit living within him. Jesus talks about this actually in Matthew 7. He talks about having fruitful works. And he talks about this in Matthew 7. I'm going to read real quick and it's not, I didn't put this in the notes. But he says this in Matthew 7 and 21 through verses 27. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the, the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It says, On the day many will say to many will say, Lord, Lord, we it said, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And do and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness and iniquity. It says, everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And when the rain fell and when the floods come and when the winds blew and that beat up against the house, but it did not fall because it had been built on a firm foundation of the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand and then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and with a great fall. Jesus is preaching and teaching to them. He's saying, if you want to build this body of Christ, you have to build it on my firm foundation. Not temporary fixes, not things that are, that are going to make you feel good for the moment. Not false teachers of the gospel building upon the firm foundation of my word. That means when you hear the word in the gospel and you have that deep conviction or it's, it's redirecting your life and God is telling you, hey, listen, this may look good on paper, but I want you to take this route. And it feels as though it's hard for you to go through these trenches. It's hard for you to go through this part of life. It's hard for you to be able to navigate when everybody else around you feels as though they have a life that is living in luxury and you're just saying, why is my life so hard right now? It's the affirmation that God is still walking with you and he is going to affirm you when you choose to stand on his firm foundation. It's when life gets hard that you're able to overcome because the joy of your salvation will sustain you, not the joy of the moment. Happiness is temporary, but it's the joy of the work that you're doing for God. And it will produce the longevity and the long fruit. I tell people, I say, as Paul is giving his testimony, I thought about my testimony and the wreck of a life that I was in and coming to Jesus Christ and God 
having this special revelation of saying that you're going to go into schools in my life. He said, you're going to go into schools, and you're going to preach the gospel, and you're going to build this ministry of undefeated. And I said, it seems like it's an impossible task. God, because I've only been saved for a week. And I thought the, bo the book of Job was Job, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. I knew about Moses. Moses. See, that's how bad I didn't know. I didn't even know about the Bible. All I knew was that Moses was the man. He had a stick. He parted the Red Sea. I watched a Disney movie, and I knew about that. I knew Noah and the ark. I didn't know anything about this stuff. But God was saying, I will give you a special grace if you'll commit to me. It wasn't always easy. There were times I'd go into schools, and I didn't want to be there. At 7 o'clock in the morning. Is preaching and nobody would come for years. Nobody would be there. And I'm just like, God, what am I doing? Why am I here? And then just getting to a point of saying, God, I know that you've called me to do this. Help me to know how to build my ministry. And when I started to really see the fruits of the ministry is when I dug deeper in my personal relationship with God, even when my life was at the worst. I tell people, I say, I had a very, very like crazy three-month experience of my life when I was a Christian. I was 25 years old. I, had, I lost my job for the first time at a bank. I said I was working in ministry. I got fired. I messed up real bad, y'all. I was like, Jesus, help me, y'all. No. Lost my job, moved into my grandfather's house. Right before that, a meth head stole my car and ramped it over some train tracks, Dukes, Dukes of Hazard style. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? The day before that, I literally prayed and I said, God, my life feels so crazy, but at least I have my car. I, I was trying to be optimistic, y'all. I literally prayed that, and God was like, bet. Let's see how you really take this right now. I woke up the next morning. I had a roommate, a kid of mine, who drove me crazy. Steven, if you're watching this, I hope you hear me. I'm talking about you right now. He drove me crazy. I love this kid to death now. Okay, now. But he drove me crazy living with me as I was discipling him. And I kept telling him, I said, don't leave my door unlocked. And he left my door unlocked, and the meth head stole the keys to my car and ramped it over these tracks, Dukes of Hazard style. I woke up the next morning. I thought my got repo because I was like two months behind on my payments. And I'm just like, man, what is going on? I called the police, and they were like, walk out your house 20 feet and look to the right. And I'm just irate right now. I probably didn't sound like a Christian. And I was just on there. I'm like, what are you talking about? I looked to my right, and I was like, oh, my God. And I see my car ramped over these train tracks. I'm just like, Jesus. I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing? But in that moment in time, ministry was at like this all-time high. Like, I was in schools, I was preaching, I was teaching, my life felt like it was in shambles, and I thought to myself, God, I have to continue to grow deeper into you right now, because the task cannot be put aside. If I had bound myself to the task and the things that had happened to the world, then in that moment in time, I would have faltered because my foundation was not on Jesus Christ. My life would not have been in right standing. So in that moment in our lives, think about when we have moments when life just feels so chaotic and you know that God has called you to be on mission. It's our faith in Jesus Christ being bound to him that will sustain us. Being bound to the task, not the circumstances, because the circumstances, as you are working out your task, will knock you down. Paul the Apostle, as he preaches through this, and we're going to take a little bit of time to break this down and then we'll be out of here. Paul the Apostle as he was building his church, as he was building the church, built his life upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, serving Christ, and he was assured that his work, even when he felt like a failure, even when it was slow moving, even when the times were hard, he knew that his life was being built upon the firm foundation of God and it sustained him in his personal relationship with God. 
Not those feel-good sermons. You just, you just, you just gotta, you just speak it into belief. No, I'm talking real life circumstances and situations. That when your life just feels as though everything around you is just in, in shambles, it's through your worship of God and digging deeper into a personal relationship where we'll be able to sustain. Paul the Apostle is a great example of this as he had this impossible task. Let's take a minute to break down the scripture. In verses 1 through 3, he talks about how he is given this opportunity to steward the work of God, to steward God. In this moment, stewardship isn't talking about monetary work. Like a lot of people when talk about stewardship, it's about getting monetary money and gains and stuff like that and managing it the right way. But what the context and what the teaching is saying, that stewardship in this moment is talking about him guiding the Gentiles through this task of coming to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He had a huge task of guiding them through the situations of the hatred that he may have received from the Jews, but also the misunderstandings of people as they were teaching to him. There were a lot of misunderstandings and teachings in the culture, and he had to steward them with these letters and these tasks. So as he's stewarding this Jewish culture, we see in verses 4 through 6, he talks about how the mystery of the, of the Gentiles being brought into the same fold as the Jews was brought into place. He reminded them that because of Christ, the Gentiles, um, before Christ, the Gentiles were not in the covenant relationship. But the mystery was revealed to him specifically as an apostle through Jesus Christ, an act of God that he was going to make one body and one new man through Jesus Christ. One new entity by saying, I've broken down that wall of division. This task seems pretty hard. The task seems almost impossible. The task seems as though he wouldn't be able to do it. But in verse 7, he stops and he tells them, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the reconciliation, bringing man back into right standing with God. Of this gospel, according to the gifts, God's grace, the gift of God's grace, which was given by the working of his power to him, he was able to accomplish the task. We talk about grace. A lot of people, I talk to kids, they're like, do you know what grace means? I talk to KK all the time. I'm like, do you know what grace means? And she'd be like, yeah, it's when you pray over food. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm like, that's kind of right. Grace is unmerited favor. A lot of people, when we talk about grace, we talk about when you make a mistake and God forgives you. We don't talk about the unmeasurable ex, um, ex, excess of grace that God gives us to accomplish a task. I, and I talk about Piper. I love he talked about how he, in a moment, he had his, I think his mom and his dad were in Israel and his sister. And he talks about, I told this story before, and how he got this call that his mom and his dad were in a terrible bus wreck in Israel and they died. And his sister was in critical condition. And he's got to lead this ministry. And he just says, he stops in the moment. He tells his, tells his kids, because he's just a blunt person. He goes, he said, mommy, he said, grandma and grandpa are dead. He said, and I don't know if sissy's going to be okay, your aunt. And remember, he just goes back and he just cries and cries and cries. And he mourns the death of his mother and father in that moment. He said, he said he realized God's grace in that moment to give him some joy that he could never imagine in that moment in time. He said, the grace that I received in that moment 
to have a full understanding of God's will was not anything that any human could ever give. He said, but it was God's merited favor for me to be able to have a true understanding of the mystery of God's will. And it was so awesome for him to talk about that. What about the grace that we're given as we work with our kids when they're irking your everlasting nerve and you just want to hit them with, I forgot where I'm at, I forgot. You, can't, you just want to hit them with the pile driver. You want to hit them with the Sasha Banks bake statement. Whew, think about those times in life when you're at work and, and your, your coworkers just irking your everlasting nerve. You, you're, you're in faith and it's just, just burdening you about your life and your faith. Or even those moments and times when, when you've got this temptation that feels like it's impossible for you to overcome. That measure of grace that God gives you when you commit and you bound yourself to God. Paul talked about being a prisoner to Jesus Christ. If I am a prisoner to Jesus Christ and I allow him to dictate the course of my life, I bind myself to that. And that's how we stay on mission. But that extra measure of grace that he was given in this moment in time to preach the gospel to the Jews who were far away, we have access to that same measure of faith if we commit ourselves in grace if we commit ourselves to God. I know y'all, we Baptists, and I got to get y'all out of here. We're farmers and stuff. But it's 12 o'clock. I got like three minutes. Can I get three minutes left? Three minutes. Can I get an amen if I can get three minutes? I know. Listen, I'm good. Listen, the baby kept me up all last night. I'm all discombobulated. The rule messed me up. I got y'all. I'm happy y'all still watching with us and stuff. All right. Uh, Garrett, give me three minutes. You give me, you over here doing me like Showtime at the Apollo. Like, you about to pull me off stage. Like, let me get three minutes, Garrett. So as Paul, he talks about this grace that he is given to accomplish this task, to do this working. But then he remembers in verse 8, I talked last week about how Paul was getting on the people and he was telling them, it's just like, you going to hell. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You was messed up. You were selling coca on the block. Like He was just calling people out, telling them you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He remembers his depth of depravity and brokenness. As he talks about the task that God has given to him, he remembers the depth of depravity that he was in in his life. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all to the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, I, I was persecuting Jews. I'm sorry, I was persecuting Gentiles. I was persecuting Christians. I was stoning people. I was going after them, trying to kill them. And God chose me to be a steward of the work of the gospel. How much more can God work in our lives and the mess that we have if we commit ourselves fully to the work of the gospel? That encourages me to think when, when my life was in shambles and in a mess, I don't get down to think about how bad my life was, but I get encouraged to know that God gave me grace to overcome these situations and he will continue to give me grace if I bound myself to him to accomplish the task. I don't think about the task and how laboring it is to do this work on the west side of Charleston because I have bound myself to Christ. And as a church, if we bound ourselves to Christ, we're going to see the work in our community even when we feel we are persecuted. And when the task feels daunting, I have joy in knowing the work that we are doing is God's work. And it will be fruitful and accomplish this task. We are going to sow seeds in this community that the people after us are going to come and they're going to reap the benefits. Paul was sowing seeds in the midst of his suffering that the church was going to reap years and years down the line. 
I couldn't imagine Paul in this moment writing the letter just thinking it's going to go to the church of Ephesus, but then it actually ends up in the Holy Scriptures in the Bible to be a, a, be a guiding force for the church as a whole to bring many races and creeds and colors and cultures. I thought about this last night. I said, I can't wait to worship God on Sunday with Risen City, but I can't wait to worship with Resurrection. I can't wait to worship with Shiloh Baptist and Metropolitan and Greater Emmanuel because we all come together as one body of Christ to worship a God who was worthy because we had a man who was willing to commit himself to the work of the God in the midst of moments and times when it was hard that we have the revelation of the mystery of God to bring us all into one body of Christ so now we can celebrate the corporate work that we do it's exciting for me when I think about that to when you think about the task Remember where God has brought you from and where he is taking you and commit to God and he will give you an unmeasurable work of grace if we're able and if we're willing to be committed to him fully. So he tells this plan that we have through the riches. Verse 10, and I'm, I promise y'all I'm going to finish up through this and we're going to be good. This is just really good. Verse 10 is really exciting to me when I read through this and I was studying through this. He says here, so that through the church, the manifold of the wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places that was according to the internal uh, sorry the ex the external purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of those things I had to stop and get my, my commentary. I had to get my moody commentary. I had to read. I had to listen to some other scriptures. I'm like, God, I'm confused by this a little bit. And what he was talking about was the goal of the task that God had given him. The goal of the task of him teaching and preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles unification was so that it would make known the riches of the wisdom of God that he had and the diverse wisdom that through the unity of the Jews and the Gentiles, it would do two things. It would make known in the existence of the multi-ethnic and multicultural church that God that was one task that Paul had. The second task was this, is that the spiritual forces were going to come to see that God is overturning the works that they had done. There was so much hatred. There was so much division. There was so much animosity that was going on. When, when, I, when I say, if you, if for me, I need an example of what it may look like. When I really read about the civil rights movement, there is a depth. There is a depth of understanding that I'll never have. When I read about things like the Holocaust, there is a depth of understanding that I will never have because of the depth of hatred that I have never seen. The enemy was working in a depth of hatred towards the, this, the Jews and the Gentiles to keep them separated. And God said, I am strong enough to overcome this. If I'm strong enough to bring salvation and mend the relationship between God and individual man, why am I not... Why do we not trust him enough to also let us be stewards of this relationship to men, relationships back with men and women in the kingdom of God? I, I believe that our task is to build the relationship back up in our community in the west side so many people will come to the revelation of God so they can be glorified through God. And that our church will be multi-ethnic and our church will be many people who are far away from God and have many issues, but we love and learn to grow together. I believe if we work together in our communities, we're going to see young men and women who deal with trauma, 
that seems insurmountable and impossible. The kid who goes to school with no jacket or food or who saw an abusive situation at home, he can come into the manifold wisdom of God and saying that no matter what's going on in your personal life, God still loves you and cares about you. And as you grow with us, I can heal you and bound you back to me. The college student who feels as though they've done everything wrong in life. They was turn up on Friday and Saturday, that they ain't worthy to come to church on Sunday, that they can understand that their life still has worth and value even when they are trying to fill the voids in their life with substances, that God is the eternal wisdom that they need and God wants to fill that void in their life. That person who just feels a deep depression and anxiety God is there for you and will heal you. And we are working together to bring forth this mystery and show people that there's unity in Jesus Christ. He wants to make this known, but it's only through Jesus Christ that we are able to do so. I ask that in the next couple of weeks, um, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to pray this prayer every single day. Verses 14 through 21. This has always been a personal prayer of mine. I, when, when I just feel as though I'm weak and anemic in my faith, I always go to Ephesians 3 and I pray this prayer over the saints and saying that God gives us two things. There are two main things, and I'm just going to read the prayer and then we'll finish up. Is there a song after this? Okay, oh, there's a song. Look at us. Yeah, I'm about to Millie Wop. I'm hype. There are two things in here is that I want to make note of. Verse 13 reminds us that your commission may cause you pain, but there's an assurance in Christ's promises for eternal glory, and the Holy Spirit is our insurance. Always remember that. The commission may cause you pain, but the assurance is that Christ has promised us, and he has already actually taken the cross for us. So he has shown his commitment to us, so his Holy Spirit bounds us to him when we receive salvation because he lives inside of us. But in this prayer, there's two things that God prays for. I'm sorry, that Paul prays for. He prays for strength, and he prays for knowledge. He prays for strength, and he prays for knowledge. And God is more than sufficient enough in both of those resources to give it to us if we ask. James says we have not because we ask not. I believe that as we grow in strength, you got to exercise, you get in the gym, you know, you, you do your legs and your arms and stuff like that. I can't dunk on people anymore unless I, like, exercise for, like, a solid two weeks before that. I'm like, I got to realize I, I got to go deeper in my exercises to be strong in faith. Sometimes we got to go deeper in our personal relationship to be stronger in faith and in our knowledge also. These are two things that Paul prays for. So I'm going to pray this last prayer, then we're going to do our last song, and then we'll do our doxology, and we'll be dismissed out. But I encourage you guys this week to read this prayer every single day. I remember reading in the morning before I go to work. I got to go back to work this week. I'm going to be missing baby Naomi. I am. It's going to be tough, y'all. I'm like, Jesus. And I'm going to need this prayer for spiritual strength as I go back to work and as we're going into this next season of Risen City and doing things like that. But he says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened by the power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to accomplish all the saints. What is the brethren? 
and the length, I'm sorry, what is, what is the brethren and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, than all that we may ask or think, according to the will, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. Amen. As we finish up, let's rise and let's worship God.